one of the great secrets of successful people and great leaders is perseverance. And so in the spirit of trying to be a great leader and successful, we are going to persevere. I've got the clicker. I'm hoping it's going to work this week. So um, here we go. Let me pray. Father God, we just pray that you'd help us to hear your word and get excited about the truths in it and to conform our lives to your revealed plan. We ask for help in that as we look at your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like to think that I am a man of peace. Um, I actually don't like controversy. Perhaps I'm a bit of a wimp. I I don't mind sports controversy. I can argue with you and tell you why Manly is the greatest team and I can argue about selection for Australian cricket team. But if you start talking to me about politics or even religion and it starts getting controversial, I I just want to back out. These things matter. And so there was a suggestion by one of our elders, I think his name was Simon Lau, Since we've got this theme called Exiles Fit for Mission, maybe it would be a good idea to do a series on the return of Jesus. Because if you know that Jesus is coming back, it impacts how you live in this present age. And it actually fits our vision document for the 2000 towards 2020. Here's a sent, here's a paragraph from it. We do not fear change nor the unknown here at Penno. We are not afraid to live sacrificially and take godly risks for the kingdom. Above all, we fear and love God. We live expectantly as exiles, waiting for Jesus' return, the consummation of his kingdom and the renewal of all things. So great idea, Symes, to have a series on the return of Jesus. Helps us understand what it means to be in exile if we know what to expect at the end. That this is not home. There is a kingdom to come. Big problem, though, for a man of peace, there are a few topics more controversial amongst Christians, particularly those who do lots and lots of reading or form very strong opinions or go to very strong churches than the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are lots of opinions, lots of division. You know, people form Bible colleges, depending upon what you believe about the return of Jesus. They form denominations so they don't have to sit with other people who believe different things. And I don't like controversy. So I've avoided it for the first two talks. We did a talk on the fact that the kingdom's coming, God's kingdom nature and the fact that God has promised that Jesus has to come if you understand the kingdom of God. And God's promised that he will come. I did another talk on the how and why, just looking at the very basic things. that Jesus is coming to bring in the kingdom, to redeem his people, gather his people, bring judgment, and he's coming amazingly and gloriously. Hardly anybody disagrees on those points. Today I am doing signs and times. And this is where you get into all the different opinions and all the controversy. So here we go. Just remember I'm a man of peace or you might call me a wimp. What will happen in the future in terms of prophecy and when and where and orders? See, some would insist that really here at Penno, 
We should be, I'm going to have to read this because I can't even remember it all, we should be post-tribulation, rapturistic, premillennial, dispensational, Calathumpian Baptists. And you may laugh. Maybe not the Calathumpian bit. Many of others and probably many of you just want to ignore this topic because it's just too messy. It'll work out. I'll just trust that Jesus is coming back. And I, I, I get that. I respect that. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't ignore signs and times. Christianity is a, a historical religion from first to last. And when I mean last, I mean last. It talks about real things that really happened. There was a creation. God spoke. God made. There was an exodus where the people of Israel left Egypt with remarkable signs and wonders to go to the promised land. There was a fall when mankind and Adam and Eve rejected God. There was a virgin birth of Jesus. There was a resurrection as Jesus bodily rose from the grave. He was dead in the grave. We believe these things happened. It's the foundation of our faith. It's historical and these are, they are all events we believe that just like today, history will continue. In fact, the, the things that are prophesied for the future will be events. If you like to turn the phrase a little bit backwards, they will be historical. What will happen when Jesus returns and brings in the end of the age? What will happen and when will it happen? And here's what the Bible says. If you understand more about this stuff, it should bring encouragement and comfort. Paul says that as he writes to the Thessalonians. Encourage one another with these things. Bring comfort. When Paul writes to Titus, he says, this is the blessed hope that we live for, waiting for Jesus' return. Or in our passage that we had read for us today, Peter says, puts it this way. Uh, where's Peter gone? I took out the wrong bookmark. I took out the bookmark for the Bible. No, I didn't. Sorry. Dear friends, this is now my second letter, writes Peter, to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. And then he goes on to discuss the coming of Jesus and the judgment day. This should lead us to wholesome thinking, understanding these matters rightly. I don't know if you've heard of cognitive behaviour therapy. If you've seen a counsellor, there's a very high chance you have. Cognitive behaviour therapy is the field of psychology and if anybody of you know anything really about this, you'll think, oh, he's completely botched his description. But it's all about changing the way that you process things and that you think cognitive behaviour particularly as they relate to yourself, how do I think about myself, others, how do I think about others, and how do I think about the future. Now, if you can get good thoughts happening about yourself, about others, truer thoughts, right thoughts, not destructive thoughts, self, others and the future, it will impact how you behave and start solving a lot of your messy problems in your life. Cognitive behaviour therapy. 
Be proactive, be purposeful at changing the way you think about self, others, future. Understand the coming of the Lord Jesus. Think rightly about that, how it impacts yourself, how it impacts others and how it impacts the future. I tell you what, that's pretty serious cognitive behaviour therapy. It'll impact the way you behave if you change the way you think about these things. King Jesus is coming back. The king, he will destroy evil. He will bring an end to this world of death and pain and sorrow and make all things new. And it will be life-changing. And So that truth should be life-changing today. Wholesome thinking comes out of this teaching. So you need to be aware of the signs because they will lead us to thinking rightly. Well, Jesus is at the temple. I spoke about this last week. Jesus has just been at the temple. It's not long before his crucifixion. The Pharisees have been hostilely rejecting him. They are full of hypocrisy. They are corrupt. And Jesus speaks against them. And then he laments over the city of Jerusalem, the city that God made great promises to. It's so wicked. And then he says to his disciples at the temple, this massive, massive edifice, that one day, not far, not one stone will be left upon another. And the disciples hear him, they just can't work this out. Because if the temple, this symbol of God's presence, this massive edifice is totally destroyed, well, that's the end. That's the end of this age, as they understand it. And so they go to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane later, in the garden of, yeah, I think so, uh, and they say, what will be the signs of the end of the age and of your coming? And Jesus answers that. We have it in three Gospels, in Matthew 24, which we looked at last week, Mark 13 and Luke 21. What are going to be the signs? And Jesus, looking towards the future, speaks of the signs of the end in these chapters. But I, as I understand it, what he speaks about is a mix. A mix of things. Because, you know, the Old Testament age, in a sense, will end at the destruction of the temple. When that temple falls down, there's no more sacrifices for sins happening in Jerusalem. The temple got smashed by the Romans in AD 70. And so I believe that some of the signs Jesus refers about are signs of the events leading to the smashing of the temple in AD 70. But that is mixed with signs of the end of our current age when Jesus returns. So if you have a look at this photo here, there's a path up the mountains. Jesus is painting a picture like that. Here are the signs of the end of the age. Now, you've got a few hills there, a few signs. Some of them are actually a lot closer. And actually when you get past that mountain, it looks like the other one's just there, but you know if you've ever done any walking like that, that it can be just miles and miles and miles away. But from this perspective, they're all together. That is what I think is happening in these chapters. As Jesus mixes things, events around the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70 with events relating to his return and even the period in between. Now you'll find others who will disagree with me on that, but that's how I understand the basic principles of those chapters. So what are the signs, particularly picking out ones that seem to be more for the end of the age, of Jesus' return? 
Well, there's four general features. Firstly, there will be religious apostasy, false religion, turning away, Mark chapter 13, verse 5. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Chapter Verse 21, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, look, there he is, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There will be religious apostasy, there will be false teaching, false messiahs. There will be persecution of God's people and mixed in with worldwide witness. There will be pressure on the people of God and the message of the gospel as the message of the gospel goes out. Now, chapter 13, verse 9. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Pressure out, pressure inwards, even as greater pressure goes out to make Jesus known throughout the nations. Third sign. There will be war. and conflict between nations. Chapter 13, verse 7. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Conflict. Fourth major sign, disturbances in the natural order. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. Down in verse 24. In those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming with the clouds with great power and glory. Disturbances in the natural order. Elsewhere it would seem to be, and this is debated somewhat, that there will be a ruler rise who will deliberately oppose God, possibly a man of lawlessness from 2 Thessalonians, possibly the beast of Revelation, possibly, but I think even less likely, the Antichrist of 1 John. So there's some signs of the times of Jesus' return. We can relax today, right? Because... Jesus won't return for a while, will he? The signs, there's no signs. Let me say this. Jesus does not give these signs here to his disciples to encourage laxity. To say, well, a few more years yet. Jesus gives these signs to his disciples to intensify their expectation 2,000 years ago intensify your expectation that Jesus is coming back and you better make ready. So let me ask, is there today any religious apostasy or persecution of the church even as the gospel goes to the nations? Is it possible that there are wars and rumours of wars? 
and disturbances in the natural world, order. Jesus says here in Mark chapter 13, verse 8, I've got this one, these are the beginnings of birth pains. It's a pretty good illustration. There is here, let's say, a young woman. She's got a very large, low-hanging belly. If you touch the belly, you'll sometimes feel movement and it's probably not gas. Seems to be a bit too strong for that. And then she starts feeling pain. Contractions, it's, it's, oh, it's actually quite bad and it seems to come cyclically. And, and, and then all of a sudden there's this rush of water, her, her waters break. I think there's some signs. Now, when will the baby be born? Well, we don't know, do we? Two hours? Maybe. Four? Eight? Twenty-four? We don't really know when the baby will be born, but there are plenty of signs saying, go to hospital. Make ready. And as the birth draws near, it may well be that the signs get more intense, more frequent. More pain, more often. Go to hospital, go to hospital, get ready. Now there are various theological positions on how various signs fit in with various times. A lot of these positions really do hang on the interpretation of Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 to 10 which speak of a millennial, thousand year period. It's the third last chapter of the Bible. Just a little note, it's really wise not to read the Bible from the backwards to the front but from the front to the back. So you don't interpret the front from the back. Interpret the back from the, what you've read through the story. That's just a simple principle. Uh, these, you'll hear about these various theological positions, uh, pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. You'll hear people talking about raptures, two comings of Jesus maybe, or the place of the Jews and the Antichrist and the tribulation and the temple. And they'll be pulling bits from Daniel and Ezekiel and Matthew and Revelation and Thessalonians and... I've got to tell you what I think. I think it seems a bit like a jigsaw at times. And some people's jigsaws, because there's, there's lots of people who have got lots of ways of putting the jigsaws together, and most people when they put the jigsaw together, they're absolutely firm that they've nailed it and everyone else is wrong. I would just say to you this, beware the messy jigsaw. When someone says, look, you can clearly see that all these bits just fit together and it just looks a bit messy. What I would say is maybe we're not given all the pieces. I don't think the Jews had all the pieces of Jesus' birth, did they? So they could say exactly how it would happen. But they had enough pieces to know what would be happening. I don't think we're given all the pieces of Jesus' second coming. And I think we've just got to let the picture sit the way the picture looks and work with what God in his wisdom has given us and live with a measure of ambiguity and trust what we do know 
rather than trying to squash them together and say, look, there it is. But maybe I'm a wimp. I'll let you work that out. Regarding signs, as it leads to the times, I really don't think we can do much better than Andre Crouch's song, Soon and Very Soon. We are going to see the king. I love that. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. No more dying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are going to see the king. There's no expectation of delay. It is imminent. Watch out. Be ready, and this is taught again and again in Scripture. And here my glasses go down because I'm going to just pile verse upon verse on top of you. You must be ready, for the Son of Man will be coming in an unexpected hour. Our Lord, come. For our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians, from which we eagerly wait for a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. For you yourselves know that well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians, also in the Gospels. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, soon and very soon. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Just wait patiently, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Behold, the judge is standing at the doors. The end of all things is at hand, says Peter. It's at hand. Jesus said when he came, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm here. I'm about to start. We're told now that the coming of Jesus is at hand, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief now in Peter. And then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will be dissolved with fire and the earth and all the world works that are upon it. The time is near. Revelation. Behold, I am coming soon, says Jesus in Revelation. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. And right towards the end of the Bible, the second last verse, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. End of Bible. Your wife is in labour. She's having contractions. She's sweating. She's screaming. She's trying to manage her breathing. You walk into the lounge room and you say, Sweetie, the boys have asked if, they, if I can go around and watch footy with them tonight. We're not doing anything tonight, are we? Idiot! Can't you see the signs? Can't you read the signs? It's soon, it's very soon. Get ready, take me to hospital, you moron. Some guys just can't help living their whole life like that. That's the way it is. Keep at it, guys. Come on, a bit of sensitivity. Soon and very soon. And you know, we're right on the cusp. 
we're right on the cusp. Not only do I believe we're right on the cusp, but the Bible tells us we're right on the cusp because we live in the last days. Jesus returned to the Father from the moment he did that. We've been living in the last days. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon these people, and people are saying, oh, they're drunk. They're drunk. What's going on here? Peter said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In the last days. 1 John, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard from the the Antichrist is coming and now many Antichrists have come, this is how we know this is the last hour. To Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Oh, we know that. The sun's going to fall from the sky. What does Peter, Timothy, Paul say to Timothy? There will be terrible times in the last days. Well, here's some signs. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, looking good on the outside but denying it God's power, have nothing to do with such people. In the last days, we live in the last days. The godless last days, we must be ready for Jesus' return, which I believe, and the scripture tells us, will be soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. 2,000 years. Soon and very soon. Well, that's a long time, isn't it? And you might look at the signs that I put up earlier and they've been a little bit like a sine wave. Signs for a sine wave, you know. They sort of go, oh, lots of earthquake, lots of war, lots of, oh, persecution, and then maybe it dies off. Oh, lots of war, lots of war, oh, and then it dies off. Oh, there's Hitler, oh, there's the medieval popes, oh, and then it's just... When's Jesus coming? Why the delay? In AD 67, 68... That is 30 years after Jesus ascended to the Father. The Apostle Peter raised the same question because lots of people, 30 years of waiting, raised the same question in our passage. At the start of the last days, Peter says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days where we're living, scoffers will come, Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming he promised? We've been waiting 30, over 30 years. This is a joke. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Peter gives a very simple answer in two parts. Firstly, it's a long delay. Well, not as God sees time. No, for God, it's soon and very soon. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Do not forget, verse 8, this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise 
as some understand slowness. A thousand years is soon for the Lord on his timetable. It was soon back in AD 67. It's soon in 2016 to be assured of this. God is not slow in keeping his promises. He will. Second part of the answer, why the delay? And I think the more significant part of the answer... God is constraining himself because of his mercy. Verse 9. Instead, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. God is being merciful. He's giving people time to repent as we sang in this song before I spoke. Because his patience means salvation. When Jesus comes, that will be the end of this age. It will be decisive, as we looked at last week. It will be the kingdom in its fullness and the king will come to judge, to refine, to cleanse and make new. Everything will be laid bare. Your life will be laid bare. God's enemies, those who rebel against his sovereign rule, those who have not been purified by Jesus, who have not believed, will face God's wrath as a refining fire. And they will be destroyed, burnt up in that wrath. It will be a dreadful day when Jesus comes. But those who submit to Jesus, who trust in him as their king, they will be cleansed and forgiven by him and whole. Verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. A glorious day. Every day that Jesus doesn't come, is opportunity to turn to him and believe and repent. Every day is mercy. Verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, as we sung. Just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. You're drowning. There is a lifeboat. And there are people in the lifeboat and they're holding out their arms. You've got to trust in the lifeboat. You've got to reach out to be saved. You've got to trust in Jesus to turn that dreadful day which, was, which is coming, we soon and very soon, into a glorious day which is coming. And for those of us who believe, for those of us who are exiles fit for mission, it's an opportunity to share the saving message in Jesus' name, to reach out our hand to the perishing and say, get ready for the glorious day. When you see the signs, and if the signs begin to intensify and you feel the weight of that, soon and very soon, soon and very soon, well, stretch out your hand. Show that there's hope. Show that there's salvation. Have a sense of urgency as an exile going home that others might join you because soon and very soon we are going to see the king. 
Can you see that understanding the signs and the times is far more than theological trivia or debate or jigsaw puzzle sorting and getting it just perfectly right? It's far more important. Knowing the signs and the times of Jesus' return as best we can know them should lead us to wholesome thinking and wholesome thinking should lead to right and holy behaviour as God's exiles fit for his mission should lead to a sense of mission now to the perishing, to those who will face God's wrath. Verse 11, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Yes, Lord, come, soon and very soon. Or perhaps I'm a wimp. Here I am, I've given a talk on the second coming of Jesus and I've talked about the signs and the times and I've told you nothing about Daniel or Revelation details or Gog and Magog or the beast and the tribulation and the temple and the millennium and who knows what else. Now there is a place for just looking at those questions. I'm not saying there's not. But more importantly, I want you to understand that soon and very soon we are going to see the king. And however you view the ins and outs of that, the options and all the various ideas, the ultimate reality does not change. Uh, we live in a historical world that is moving towards a great climax. Creation is part of a linear trajectory and the inevitable end will be the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power and great glory. And when he appears, he will reign from pole to pole and he will judge the living and the dead and that judgment will involve separation, sheep and goats and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, new me, redeemed and purified and there will be eternal judgment for those who rejected him. It's going to be a day like no other. Today is the day to get ready, not tomorrow, because soon and very soon. Today is the day to be watchful, not tomorrow. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're not in his lifeboat, today is the day to turn to him, to repent, to believe, to trust. And for those of us who know him, today is the day to warn Today is the day to hold out the good news. Today is the day to say, here, take hold of hope. Be urgent. As you watch the news, as you listen to the news, whatever you do with the news, be urgent. As you see the signs, as you experience your own life and the pain, as you live with the birth pangs, Today is the day to pray, come Lord Jesus. Get this over with. If you've ever been with a woman giving birth, get this over with. You can't force her. But you know, you know the, the, the idea is there. We've had enough. We've had enough of this pain. We want deliverance. 
We want the delivery. Soon and very soon. Pray, come Lord Jesus, we're ready, we're watching, we're waiting. We want you to renew and restore and take us home even today. Soon and very soon. Lord, come soon, come soon, come soon and very soon. Let me pray. Father, help us to be expectant and waiting as your exiled people. Help us to know your promises. Help us to look forward to your return and to be urgent and to trust in you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm hoping that my message today has had a very simple takeaway. In case it's been too complicated, I'm going to leave you to watch a song by Andre Crouch. He's the black guy with the beard. It's a very, very simple song. But if this is all you get today, I am so happy. Let's watch as we play soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Yeah.